Grand Valley is a special birding place. There's always a bird that pops up for you to chase. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts and anything that we discussed might be controversial. I want you to remember, there are own opinions and they might be different from yours. So I know we mentioned it last time, but I also want to mention it today that Christmas bird counts are starting yes. up soon. In so. a couple of weeks, two weeks, yeah, three weeks, two so weeks. So December, yeah. I want to say December 14th. Yeah, it's good. It's coming up. Yeah. So it's about two weeks-ish. If you haven't made plans for a Christmas bird count, you might check out what's going on in your local area to see if you can get involved. Absolutely. Great citizen science project. Yeah, and we'll post the... Um, Post in the show notes the link for the Audubon page. Yeah, I so, think I forgot to do that last last episode. Oh, so I'll make on, sure Eric. I'll make sure it's in this episode. I the re- link to the Audubon Christmas bird count circles. I rely on you for this kind of stuff. I know that's that's what you get. I think this is on you for relying on me. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, so we will post that link. Yes. And if you need um, help finding your local circle, that website is going to be a great help. Mm-hmm. So, also, we want to mention thank you to everyone that has bought us a coffee. And if you want to give us a a holiday present or if you want to uh, support (laughs) us in any way, you can always buy us coffee. It's $5 um, each. And we appreciate you supporting our show. So, thank you to everyone who's done that. Our Berta bird of the episode, which we will talk about. Berta bird fact of the day. (laughs) Which we will talk about later in the episode as well, is a brown jay, which are being seen more frequently now in the Rio Grande Valley, which... Well, a family group is being seen. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so brown jays are a very cool bird. Um, They have a bald patch on their throat, which they can inflate with air and make their call louder. And that's called a furcular pouch. Furcular? Yeah, this pouch is very, very similar to what um, sage grouse have uh, with that big uh, green or yellow, I guess it's a yellow color pouch that sage grouse have that just inflates and boom, boom. But uh, they, they use this slightly differently, but it's a very similar sort of anatomical structure. Yeah, so if you want to check out where these birds have been seen, you can look at Berta uh, and see that there have been sightings in San Jose, in Costa Rica, and also in the Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande Valley. You don't even need a passport to get to... To the ones in the Rio Grande Valley. I They're mean, that is if you live in the U.S. Right on the border. Right at the river. Okay, so Hannah, you've got two other podcasts. Women Birdies Happy Hour and Bird Nerd Book Club. Um, you had one episode just come out last week with uh, Women Birdies Happy Hour. Who'd you interview? So I interviewed one of my favorite people, Allison Anhold, And she is a biologist, a shorebirder, and also a fellow beer drinker. Um, and we talked <laughs> all about the, the cool history of how she got into birds and, you know, the path that she's made to be where she's at. And she's just starting a job soon um, at, with Washington, oh, nice. the state of Washington, to do shorebird work, which is very cool. So I look forward to hearing more right about that. Right in her passion that. wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. And so that episode came out on November 23rd. Um, I also have an episode of the Bird Nerd Book Club coming out next week, and that is with Cameron Cox, who just recently put out The Turns of North America, um, and that will be on December 7th. Yeah, and I joined you for that one. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. So that brings us to a couple places that we're traveling soon. 
Um, we are going to the Gambia in Senegal in Western Africa just in a couple days here. So very excited trying to figure out what to pack because it's in the 40s here where we live on the Oregon coast. And then it's 93 over there yeah. in Senegal and Gambia. Nice, so. nice, nice and warm. Yeah, it'll be a nice trip. I don't, I don't think I'm going to need my thermal underwear or my big down jacket or anything like that. Do you even have any of that? I don't have any of that. Okay, well, good. <laughs> I just wear shorts anyways, yeah, wherever I we know. go. <laughs> so then we'll also be going to the San Diego Bird Festival in February. Uh, Spring Chirp is in South Texas on April 17th to the 20th. And then I'll be going to Brazil in September 2024. If anyone would like to join me for the Amazon Birding Expedition Brazil for women. And of course, we'll put information in the show notes for that if you want to join me in amazon yeah all right bird nerd giveaway our november bird nerd giveaway was an exciting one we got quite a few submissions for this um the question we asked everyone is to tell us what your favorite endemic species was and we weren't specific enough that you need to be birds or anything it was just any any endemic species anywhere um and the winner is going to win or will have won will be winning a laminated bird card um that has it's one of those trifold sort of bird cards um lots of birds from the oaxaca area an owl figurine called an alabrije um that we purchased while we were in oaxaca and and a couple of other and a couple goodies. other oaxaca goodies that, that are kind of part of this little prize pack um, I think Hannah posted a photo of it, um, but we did. We got a lot of submissions. We chose a winner, um, randomly selected out of everybody that submitted through all the different different ways you can do it, through our email, through Facebook, through Instagram, across the spectrum. And who's our winner this, this month, Hannah? So our winner is Doris, who said Florida Scrub Jay because he's in my state. Nice. So there were there were a couple other notable um, notable ones that I wanted to mention. There was uh, oh, somebody mentioned the... Um, Red warbler that we saw down in yes, Oaxaca. The red warbler in Oaxaca. There well, was also volcano the junco. Volcano junco. Good one. And then my, my my favorite was because they actually they thought outside of the box when I even though I spit it wasn't really that far outside of the box is the um, western diamondback rattlesnake. So pretty pretty exciting to get all sorts of just different species that people love and people wanted to share with us that uh, that are endemic to different sections of the world at different levels of in, in, endemicism. Yeah, so thank you all for submitting for the Bird Nerd giveaway. And of course, we'll do another one in December. But we also have kind of a special giveaway that we want to mention. This is a shorter a shorter cycled giveaway. It's not a full month. It's a special deal, Christmas deal, I guess you yeah, could call sure. it. Sure, yeah. So anyways, we've been working with a company called BirdFi by NetView, which has these really cool feeders mm-hmm. that have a camera attached to it. And I feel like this is something that's becoming more and more common. You know, I'm seeing a lot more of them. Or maybe it's just because I Googled it and... You know, the, and now it's all over your algorithm. I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But they, they work a lot like a ring doorbell where they sense motion and they notify you that there's a motion at your bird feeder. Which is actually kind of funny because a couple months ago, like we have Roosevelt Elk where we live mm-hmm. here on the Oregon coast and they go through our backyard all the time and eat all of our plants, which is fine. Which but, is why we plant them for everyone to eat. But I wanted to put some kind of like Wi-Fi enabled um, backyard camera mm-hmm. in at our house, like a wildlife cam, but not the, you know, most wildlife cams, like they record on the device and then you have to like take Grab it Grab the SD yeah. card and come Which, and upload. I didn't really want to do that. I just wanted it like real time. And so we ended up getting a ring doorbell and mm-hmm. put it, that in our backyard. Our backyard. Which is great. It works. <laughs> it works out exactly what I I wanted to do. I mean, the doorbell is kind of useless at this point, but whatever. Yeah, I'm thinking I need to move it to put it in the on the front door now where a doorbell should be. 
even though no one ever comes to our house. Yeah. Anyways, um, this works very similarly. Yeah. And we haven't captured elk on it yet, but I'm just waiting for the moment. It's only been set up for like a week. I know. So maybe less than a week. But this app is, it, well, it's a it's the camera and then it also has an associated app mm-hmm. and it's Wi-Fi enabled. It's AI powered so it can ID the birds that come to the feeder. So it is such a fun toy to have and I have been having such a good time with it. Um, the first day we had 85 notifications of birds yeah, going to which the feeder. You, it's pretty easy to turn off the notifications. So if you if you're on a day where you're like, I'm already out birding, I don't need notifications from at home. Easy to turn them off, but then other alternatively, if you're at work and you really want to get distracted and you don't want to you don't want to pay attention to whatever spreadsheet you're entering whatever into, you can you can sit and watch birds in your backyard at home. So, anyways, it's a really fun tool. The first day we just had. Uh... We had chickadees going to it. We had... Mostly just chickadees, while while the other birds were kind of a little bit wary of this new feeder in the backyard. But every single day we've had more and more. So now, you know, we have Stellar's Jays going to it. Eric's uh, specific Stellar's Jay yeah. that he's Dra- been dragons, training. Dragon's been eating at it. Yeah, and then house finches. Um, Junko was new for yesterday. Yeah. So it is such a Red fun... Red wing and blackbirds today. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So we're, we're, we're slowly building the diversity that goes to that camera. Yeah, I'm waiting for some sparrows. We haven't had sparrows yet. And I'll have to lower it down on the post, I that's guess. That's true. Well, I saw a white crown sparrow really high in the tree yesterday. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, it is just, it's such a fun toy to have in our backyard. And I'm, I'm glad that we got one because it's cool to be able to see what's going on in my backyard without being there because yeah. we can't be there you know most of most the, of the day we're not most there. of the sunlight hours we're yeah. not there um so it's nice to know that you know what's going on in our backyard yeah but the reason we're talking about this so it's it's a cool thing sure we we like to talk about stuff we have anyways and especially bird related stuff yeah but but um as we said we were working with bird Fi- by netview and they want to offer um a feeder mm-hmm. for a winner a giveaway yeah so here's what you got to do you have to like our Facebook, Hannah and Eric Birding. You also mm-hmm. have to like their Facebook, BirdFi by NetView. And we'll post all this in the show notes and also post it on Facebook. And then comment on the following question that we will post on our social medias. So what we want you to do is share with us your birding bucket list. Share either a bird species that you aspire to see in your lifetime or a dream destination that you want to go bird watching. And one randomly selected winner who has done all of those things we ask um, will win a NetView BirdFi feeder AI plus solar panel. And ours has a solar panel panel as well, which is kind of cool that it doesn't receive full sunlight. It's relatively obscured underneath the trees, but it's still enough that once we gave it a full charge to start with, we're like five days in to using it and it still is like 98% battery. So it... The solar panel keeps up with the activation of the thing and the usage of the Wi-Fi. And so this prize is valued at $250. Um, The contest dates are from December 3rd through the 10th. Mm -hmm. So you have to do all of those things within that time frame. You can like our page whenever, but (laughs) you you have to like both pages and then we'll open up the comment period uh, from the 3rd to the 10th on our Facebook. And so to be eligible for this, uh, it's... Uh, only eligible to birding enthusiasts in the U.S., Canada, U.K., France, Spain, Italy, Germany, and Australia. And the winner will be selected at random. So thank you yeah. so much, BirdFi by NetView, for working with us on this. And we're excited to see all your birding bucket list locations yes, and birds. And I just, 
I can't say uh, enough about how fun it is to have one of these in my backyard. It, it is a lot of fun. It's it'll it'll pop up. It'll say, "Hey, there was something at your feeder," and you look at it, and you're like, "Oh, look! It's a it's a chestnut back chickadee." And then a few seconds later, you get a notification confirming that yes, chestnut back chickadee was at, at your feeder, and it'll have a couple random snapshots of that of that bird that it the snapshots that it used to um, deter, to determine the idea on it. So kind of kind of cool. You don't even have to take the snapshots out yourself. You can just save those snapshots separately. Or you can go through the video and take screenshots from it. Mm -hmm. One way or the other. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So thank you all. And uh, we look forward to seeing those those answers. Absolutely. Okay. So when when you've last left your heroes, is that is that the, <laughs> is that the phrase? I don't know. Don't you watch more Marvel than me? I probably do, yeah. Um, so last last episode, Rio Grande Valley was the lead up to the festival that we talked about. Um, now we're starting the festival. So this year, the 2023 festival, we did a couple things that we've never done before. Did a couple things that we do every year. And it was a great festival. Had a great time. Saw lots of birds. Still got still got a lifer. Yeah, we've we've been going. We we lived down there for um, for two years, and we've been visiting for eight years. And still got a lifer. So the, the, the valley can still be great, and, no matter how many times you go. And so for the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, um, as Eric mentioned, we've been guiding at it for a number of years. And it's a really great festival for, for guides mm -hmm. because, you know, we get placed on different things. And so we aren't just doing the same trip day after day, which is fine, you know. I Sometimes that's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, at San Diego, I love doing the bike ride every single day. It's a great workout. I don't always get to ride 10 miles every day, so it's fun <laughs> to be able to do that there. Um, but it's also fun at this festival, too, to get a chance to go all these different places in the Rio Grande Valley. And we worked last year with the coordinator uh, because she was like, hey, you guys have been guiding at it for a while. You know, do you want to do something different? Do you want to do something, you know, specific? And we were like, hey, we like working with beginner birders. It's a lot of fun for us. And I really, you know, love getting to show people some of these Rio Grande Valley specialty birds for the first time. Yeah, definitely. It's a little selfish of me. <laughs> it's, we're, we're, we we want to kind of... Uh... Oh, what's that show? What we do in the shadows, where we're the the vampire that's like steals people's, uh, um, the dull that steals people's energy, the energy vampires. Okay, and we're 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 stealing their excitement from seeing a lifer and using it for our own excitement. Okay, that's what we're doing. We're we're mooching off their excitement. They see a lifer and it's like, oh yeah, and people you, are you not little... gonna, people aren't gonna want to go with us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we're stealing your excitement. No, we're we're taking some of your excitement for our own. Anyways. <laughs> So yeah, last year we did four days that were beginner birding. This year um, we did three days that were beginner birding. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first one, which was to my very favorite place, is Benson Rio Grande Valley State Park. Yeah, so Hannah worked at Benson the whole time we, were, we lived down in the Rio Grande Valley. It was the first real birding job that Hannah had. Uh, before that, you worked as a, couple, as, a park, as a seasonal park ranger at a couple different locations. But it wasn't specifically birding. This was the first place to go that you worked at that was just birding. Or not just birding, but it was a majority birding and in a fantastic birding location. It's a great park that's relatively easy to bird. Um, a big loop. It used to be a RV park. Um, and the RV park has been shut down for a little over a decade now, I think, right? Yeah, well, Two more decades? than that. It's, it's been, the RV park's been shut down for a, a while now. And... There's so much wildlife. You you go in. We ended up with 34 species for our day, which was a, real, a very I would call it a very slow day at Benson. Yeah. 34 species, but still 34 species for a half a day of birding or so. Yeah. So not not a bad 
not a bad list. No, definitely not. So we got there, you know, a lot of things going on at the headquarters. Um, we didn't get any hummingbirds, which I haven't had a whole lot of hummingbirds there in the past couple of years. No. Well, so the, the valley's been in a pretty severe drought. Yeah. And that's the water features are key to finding things there right now. And a lot of the parks are having issues with water rights mm -hmm. down there, being able to get enough water in to fill their own water features. So it's kind of like a whole water situation going on down in the valley. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, at the headquarters building, at the, the feeder that's right next to the uh, the store, mm -hmm. it was just hopping the second we got there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were chachalacas and green jays and uh, kiskadees. Clay-colored thrushes. Yeah, clay-colored thrushes. And there was an oriole that was calling, an Altamira oriole that was calling like above us, but didn't really make a, a great appearance. Mm -hmm. And then tons of uh, blue-gray gnat catchers calling. Yeah. And I mean, like a... I love hanging out with beginner birders, but it is so hard to catch on to blue-gray neck <laughs> catchers, especially, yeah, you know, as you're getting acclimated to using binoculars and, you know, the green jays are fun to look at and everything. And it's like, I, it's so hard for me to get people on blue-gray neck catchers. <laughs> they move so fast. They do. It's like kinglets and uh, um, a lot of the smaller warblers. They're just like nonstop. They have so much energy and they're just... Doo -doo 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 oh, sidebar. I forgot to tell you, uh, the other day I was sitting at back behind the hotel here mm -hmm. and there was a kinglet in the tree and it's oh my gosh it's whole head oh really it was like neon pink like i don't oh know what ticked it off so much but it was <laughs> like so i i just i hardly ever see them with their crust up that's exciting i know i yeah so sorry sidebar Sa sidebar over yes um, <laughs> <laughs> you said kinglet i had to jump kinglet. in well well there's kinglets in the valley too yeah there we go. it's connection drawn so the place was just hopping right at the um, right at the headquarters. We paid all our entry fees and everything. Mm -hmm. worked, worked our way in, got to the um, feeding station, the first feeding station, which is where the nature center is. And there were so many chachalacas, so many white-tipped doves, and we had really, really good looks at the Altamira Oriole. Mm -hmm. that, that that's where we got everyone on it. Everyone was able to get great looks at it. It was singing. It was doing that meh, meh call that they they kind of like craggly call that they'll do, and great great looks and also green jays green jays green jays green jays I know. so many green jays you actually got a great picture of a green jay yeah before i broke my camera yeah so after we got our fill of green jays and all that stuff mm -hmm. oh there was also the javelina oh yeah, yeah the, the, the whole javelina family was yeah. right there too yeah yeah that was cool i haven't seen javelinas in a while so then we continued on towards the Rosaka. Um, of course, right at the grove of ebony trees, there was a whole flock of turkeys. Mm -hmm. So we got turkeys, which, you know, they say the Rio Grande Valley subspecies of turkey is the most beautiful. I think that has to do with the lighting down there, but I, whatever. I don't pay that close attention to the way they look. I'm sure somebody is going to be mad at me for not, but I don't. I, to me, I see a wild turkey and I'm like, oh, it's a wild turkey. And I don't pay that close attention. I think for the most part, because the subspecies don't overlap in location, yeah. so I don't really pay that close attention to the differences in plumage and the differences in the size of their um, their wattle or any of that, any of the stuff. I don't know what you identify them apart from each other with, but I don't pay attention to any of that stuff because the ranges of the subspecies don't overlap. So. Yeah, that helps. It, makes it, it makes me less interested in studying the subspecies at, the, at this point in my birding cycle okay so we got to the rusaka which a rusaka is a oxbow lake mm -hmm. and this one is left over from um the rio grande valley or i'm sorry the rio grande river mm -hmm. which would normally like be serpentining all the way through the valley but of course 
we've channelized it and haven't allowed it to like move naturally. So there's all these uh, Rosacas or Oxbow lakes throughout the lower part of the valley that you'll see. And yeah, a lot of them are filled artificially. Some of them are filled naturally just by rainwater and they're able to retain it. Mm-hmm. But most of the ones are filled artificially and then maintained to kept to keep the water up in, yeah. in them because otherwise they would just dry out. It just kind of depends on like its location and use yeah. and, and all that. Yeah. Ownership and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it just wasn't a great day on the Rosaka before we've had, you know, all three Kingfishers mm-hmm. there. We've had lots of Hawks flying around, but I think it, I don't know. I think, uh, it just wasn't quite the right timing of the year that like the Kingfishers were probably still at the river Maybe, and haven't it, come into the oxbows yet. Yeah, it's. I feel like there's. I've never really noticed a rhyme or reason for good kingfisher or bad kingfisher days at the Rosaka. Yeah. It just kind of, kind of seems like it's a really roll of the dice. You have no idea if it's going to be a good day or not. You always hope for a good day. Um, well, sure. Not to, that day was not. Uh, we didn't get all the kingfishers. The next day they got all three kingfishers. Oh, so, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's it's kind of like eh. so. It's our failing. It was our. Fa- it was us. We just <laughs> we just are not good. Um, also no least grebes, which is an expected species there, but we had a bunch of pied build grebes. We had, um, I think it was a scop. It was a lesser, yeah. a lesser scop that was floating out there in the middle. Lots of anhingas, lots of anhingas that were kind of drying around the edges. So we got to get people on those and show people how they're, why people refer to them as snake birds. Cause there's a couple swimming and it's just, they, like, I think somebody asked, like, I saw a snake going across and it's like, ah, oh, this is a perfect transition <laughs> to talk about why they are referred to as snake birds. Because it's actually a bird. <laughs> and then we continued on to the green jay blind, which was hopping with green jays. Um, of course, well-named. and Well-named blind. Yeah. And uh, there are some other birds coming and going from there. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we had to go out to the hog tower. So You always have to go to the hog tower. Even, <laughs> even I, I, one of the other guides was there with um, uh, easy but not less birding. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, oh, don't bother with the hog tower. There was nothing. It was empty. And we were like, yeah, but... We're at Benson. The Hawk Tower is kind of cool. Let's go to the Hawk Tower. Yeah. So we, we took our group up to the Hawk Tower. And um, as, as Shawnee said, it was empty. There was there was nothing going on at all. It was dry, hot, no wind. A little bit a little bit of a breeze, but not much. And the Rasaka below it, which sometimes is filled with water, sometimes it isn't. Right now it's empty because the pump has, they have some issues with the pump, so they can't get any water into that, into that particular Rasaka. So we stood up there, told everyone about what we know about the tower and all that stuff, and then we headed down. But on the way to the on the way to the van, I just barely caught a glimpse. I think it was a it was somebody else that wasn't on our trip that pointed it out first, and they were like, "Oh, look, something above the van," and it, it was a gray hawk that was like fifty feet in the air, maybe. Nice, super close. You could see facial features. You could see everything on this full adult gray hawk flying over. Without binoculars, just and I'm like, oh, Greyhawk, 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 <laughs> and I think most people on the van got on it. There was a couple people because it was it was hot. Yeah, so most people had already got on the van, but there was there was a good good portion of them that saw saw this Greyhawk fly over. So that was that was great. Yeah, definitely one, one of the, one of the specialty species of Benson. Benson is typically a really good location to get Greyhawks. Um, it's just it was a slow bird day when we were there, but. But it's always fun to be there oh, and yeah. see it. Yeah, over thirty species though for for just a little bit of time standing out in the sun. 
yeah, so we finished up that trip, and then that afternoon we kind of had free. Um, we decided to go over to San Benito Wetlands, mm -hmm. which is a you know a wastewater wetland property that's near the event uh, the convention center, and it's a fairly new birding site. And the local Audubon is trying to show the city that it has you know value as a birding location, and to you know encourage the the use of it for recreation. And so we definitely C want convince them that it's safe to allow birders to it but also for, for both the birder safety and for the safety of the the effluent that they're treating yeah. and then also that people aren't going to do any sort of weird stupid stuff out there yeah and you know it really is a great birding site like we had ruddy ducks there mottled shovelers scissor tail flight catchers and one of our only vermilions that we saw the whole time the we were whole down the valley we were there, yeah. um was there and so you know it is just it's such a good birding site and it's I, I mean, I love burning wastewater plants <laughs> because I'm weird like that, but they're fun. They're, they are. And, um, it's nice that it's so close to the convention center. And the reason it's really on our radar is because it had a fork-tailed flycatcher a couple years ago, yeah. um, which ended up being our lifer fork-tailed flycatcher. So yeah, we always want to check that out in case something rare pops up. Yeah. No fork-tailed this year though. Lots of scissor tails. Yeah. I scanned every single scissor tail flying to see if I could catch a fork-tailed out of it, but no. Nah. All, all of them were scissor tails. And that evening, the local group of birders had arranged the birds and beers at a place called Moon Rock, which yeah. is... So if, anyone, if everyone's familiar with the, the birds and beers concept is basically birders get together at a brewery or at a brew pub or, or, a, restaurant. At a, or a restaurant or wherever they could just sit around and drink and kind of hang out and talk about stuff stuff it like it's conversations will range all across everything it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like this dedicated we're here to talk about birds no, sort of thing it's just fellow bird enthusiasts all hanging out just talking about whatever they want to talk about drinking drinking a beer having having a good time some and some people don't drink beer there's other options obviously when you go places but uh but yeah it's, it's a great time very a very social environment and they have a couple different birds and beers in the valley um the the area that we're in, in the Harlingen area, they have one. And then there's also another group that meets once a month up in the McAllen area. And so this this one that happened to line up exactly with the middle of the festival. So they were like, hey, let's do it at Moon Rock. Let's invite anyone from the festival to come. Which was cool. We had, I don't know, there was probably 50 people there. That's what I was so. going to say, about 50. 50? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a great time. And the Moon Rock location is so cool. We went there for the first time last year. Mm -hmm. And they have this, like, big bar inside a barn. And then food trucks kind of around the outside of it. And then seating in the middle. So it's it's a great way to, like, provide everybody with something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots, lots, of, lots of options for different types of food from all the different food trucks. And then the drinks at the bar. Which they have all sorts of stuff, beers and full full bar and all that stuff. So. Yeah, so that cool. was that was so much fun. I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, absolutely. But so, we ended up not staying out very late because the <laughs> next morning was a very early morning. Yeah, and I was, I mean, I was really excited about it, but I was also super apprehensive because we were going to Santa Margarita Ranch, which is where the Brown Jays um, are being seen in the mm -hmm. Rio Grande Valley. And and his, historically, so there there's two field trips that guides have always wanted to go on. At the festival, there's the going up to go see the owl up at, King up at King Ranch, and then going out to Santa Margarita Ranch. And Santa Margarita Ranch used to just be, it was referred to as uh, Santa Margarita Bluffs. Yeah. Um, and it was just you go to the you go out to this ranch, you stand on the bluffs, and you overlook this gorgeous view, the sweeping landscape of the river and Mexico, Mexico, and just like 
all this native habitat and it's as far in, as you can see. Well, it's up in Star County too. Mm-hmm. So I think we've mentioned a couple times, but the Rio Grande Valley is, um, four, is counties. four counties. And so Star is the westernmost county and it's a lot drier. Mm-hmm. And then you get to um, Hildago and then out to Cameron County. Yeah, those and are then the Willis three. just north of it. Yeah, so those are the three counties and they're all, you know, pretty different from each other. They're large counties too so i mean it, it um, takes up a pretty te- good expanse they're texas large counties because there's a lot of really tiny counties in texas yeah i know um but it's bigger than class of county it's bigger than class of county that's true um the county that we currently live in um but so these th- these two locations santa margarita ranch and the um the owl going up north to king ranch are the two most sought after trips and so we we'd already we'd done the owl like the first or second year yeah and that was that was cool that was great and we haven't been up there since um, and then Santa Margarita Bluffs, we were like, oh, we've always wanted to go out there because everyone raves about it. They talk about how gorgeous it is and how beautiful, just everything about just the, just the pure unadulterated beauty of the area. And this year we were like, oh, finally we get to do it. But then it was also like, uh, we get to do it. Well, it, was, it was scary because it's like this thing that's been built up for all these years that not, we want to go out to. See, it's not just that. It's also that, I mean, you have to get up at five o'clock in the, well, I mean, it starts, it it's, leaves at five o'clock. leaves at five o'clock. So you get up at like three thirty. Also, it's, um. It was like 90 degrees. It was projected oh, to be yeah, like 90 no. degrees. It was super dry. And also the We trip, had factors fighting against us. Yeah, the trip the day before, not only did they not see the brown jays, but they also had some folks that got hot, you know. Got got, got, got some, some heat-related illnesses which that, that is, had to be dealt with. And which is something cooling I'm, and all that. I'm prone to. Yeah. So, like, and they, I, didn't, they didn't get any other cool birds either. Yeah. No, no, no specialty birds for that thing. It's also a pretty strenuous hike, too. It is a very strenuous hike. So those were some of the reasons why I was like, I was excited (laughs) to go, but also nervous about it. Um, So anyways, we had to do it. (laughs) Had to do it. We got to do it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was leading into it. (laughs) But anyways, uh, so that morning, you know, got there at five, got our vans full of folks and headed off to the two and a half hour drive to Santa Margarita Ranch, Mm -hmm. which is really nice after you get out of Lake McAllen because it's just because it's like open highway. Yeah, you you get past all the construction and all the congestion of, which there's not a lot of congestion at five o'clock in the morning, but there's still some. You get out of that, and then all of a sudden, it's just smooth sailing as you head head through Rio Grande City and all, all these all these uh, more rural towns out and in, out into Star County. So it's kind of kind of nice and just calm driving, cruising along. Yeah, and so there's a bathroom stop halfway through. Um, if anybody <laughs> ever goes on this trip, you know it's it's nice to know where the bathroom stops are. Yeah, and it's at a um, at a it's a gas station. Yeah, I was gonna say Stripes or something like that, and so like. Everybody in our group went to the bathroom, and I was the last one to go in. And then there was another group that was going to Sal Nino that stopped, like, right after us. Yeah, and so, there was two trips to the, what's referred to as the Upper Valley that day. And we were, we were on one, and there was another van trip going to another spot out there. So anyways, I, like, came out of the bathroom, and there was a whole another line of women waiting to go to the bathroom. And somebody saw me, and they're like, oh, it's Hannah! <laughs> And then she later posted on Facebook that she had an awkward encounter with me in the bathroom, which, I mean, it was hilarious. So thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a that was a great wake up in the morning after having driven for a while. Yeah, it was like six o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, we got back. I got a coffee, woke up with the coffee, and then got back on the road and headed another hour or so towards uh, the Santa Margarita Bluffs. 
Yeah, so this this location, like I've I've kind of already talked a little bit about, is this just gorgeous location that's overlooking the river that unfortunately the border wall is putting a real damper on what's going on out there. And access. And access and the view and all that stuff. Um, it is still, the ranch itself is still untouched, relatively untouched. It's just, you have to find your way through the border wall, which because it's a privately owned ranch, you have to contact the the owner of the ranch and you can only go out there with a guide that's been out there. Mm-hmm. And then it's $40 a head to get out there. So there's some, some hurdles to jump through if you're not going with the festival to be able to make it happen to get out there. But it is basically open to the public with some caveats. Um, but to, but the reason he has to go through all these caveats right now is because of the border wall and the anticipation that as soon as that gate closes, when they're done with the construction of the border wall in that area, that you're going to have to, he has to come out, unlock the gate, open it, close it behind you, all that stuff. So we got in, got through the border fence, mm-hmm. you which know. which isn't closed yet. But there's still there's still construction, which is very loud. Yeah, but there's, there's still construction, so not quite closed yet. But pretty soon, I imagine that gate will be closed, and the owner will have to come out and unlock it and lock it and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's a good I don't know half mile hike or so to the the bluffs mm-hmm. themselves, and like Eric described, you know, it's beautiful sweeping views of the river and. Um, Mexico on the other side and you're high up. So you're overlooking trees and you get some incredible sights. Mm-hmm. Um, we had wood ducks, which were, are pretty uncommon for that area of the Valley. Um, lots of blue winged teals and mallards and Mexican ducks. So lots of normal things. Yeah. And then we had these large pigeons fly past, yes. which ended up being red billed pigeons, which were a ABA bird for us. So that was super exciting. Yeah, red-billed pigeons um, for which I I've we've seen them a couple of times outside of the states, um, and I had never really paid that close attention to them because where we were, where we had seen them, it was the, that was the more common do- or more common pigeon. But they are the way they fly, the way they move through the air is very much like a Eurasian collared dove. Yeah, it's not nearly. It's not like um, your morning doves or your white-winged doves or anything like that, where you have the very fast direct flight with um, medium depth um, flapping and speeds and stuff like that. Like this, the big, huge, wide flaps that are slow and kind of floppy. It's they're they look very distinctive when they're flying past you in the air. So it's it was there was a couple of people that noted that the we were with the that we were kind of like pointing about like oh that's and they were like well how do you know it's that it's like. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, let's let's examine the flight as this guy goes by, and let's let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so I mean that was really exciting because before you know they that was one of the birds that Salonino was famous mm-hmm. for, yeah. and the brown jays. Exactly and, in the past, like years past. Yeah, and so those were the places; those were the birds to go see at Salonino, mm-hmm. and they haven't. I mean, I think they're being seen periodically. Yeah, they still get seen regularly because it's flying not, on the river. Yeah, because Santa Margarita is not that far from Salonino. It's like two miles, I think, on on the river, two miles. Okay, yeah. Um, but anyways, that was a really cool sight to see those. And then we had a group of lark buntings fly over, which was our lifer. Our lifer for, for the, the festival. Term. Was lark buntings. We had all three kingfishers: the ringed, belted, and green. We had golden-fronted ladderback woodpeckers. I mean, it was just a full day of birding from that one site, and we hadn't even gotten down. We hadn't to even go started the, the hike yet. Yeah, we hadn't even started the hike yet, and we had lots of stuff. We had uh, Audubon's Orioles, which is um, one of the drier, 
one of the drier habitat orioles that they have down there, bright yellow, black black throat patch, and just tons and tons and tons of birds. So this this habitat looks great, and it delivers in terms of the bird species that you see out there. Yeah, so we started, after getting our fill of all that, we started down uh, towards the brown jay, mm-hmm. which was, I don't know, maybe a mile hike? Uh, probably about a mile, yeah. And some of it is kind of a scramble down to it's get down to the... Hand, hand over knees, was like climb, actual climbing. Yeah. It takes, on, on all fours and some portions of it to do it, because it's just steep and through this rocky terrain. Yeah, well, and a lot of, like, the silty kind of, like soft sand stuff oh, yeah. that, like you'd slip on the rocks exactly. yeah it's it's strenuous and it's also you have to have your footing with you you have to be you have to be ready to catch yourself yeah so anyways we got down and and it was really comfortable up on the bluffs like windy and you know it was hot and everything mm-hmm. but it was it was comfortable and then somebody <laughs> described the day, day before when we were asking about what the conditions were like there they were like well you get down into where the the brown jays are and you're in an oven <laughs> and that's exactly what it was yeah you, exactly. you open up the door to the oven and you climb in yeah and you as, as you're as you're descending into the into the little bowl that's there t- down towards the river so it was toasty with no wind. Yeah. So one of the other guides that was with us, Ryan, has spent a lot of time at the ranch and knows the brown jays really well. Like and every, every week since March. Like every single week. That's a long drive every week. Yeah. So we didn't have to wait for that long for them to swing in because, you know, he knows where the timing and what they're going to want to eat. And yeah, so he, 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 had he, he different... put out a couple fruits and stuff and then he started uh, pishing for them and... They came right in. Minutes. So they loud. You heard them coming from a mile away. Yeah, they're very loud. They're very social birds. They um, as as they age, they'll they'll lay one clutch of eggs, and then that clutch will when when they grow up, they'll help raise the next one, and then and then they move on. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with like three generations sometimes, depending on the time of year, that are all kind of hanging out together as a big flock of jays. So right now there's five of them in this group. That are just kind of hanging around. I think we saw all five of them. Yeah, we did. Um, very, very confiding for photos. Um, I ended up only getting just like one or two pretty obscured photos because <laughs> I was guiding, so I don't, I don't, uh, I don't get the opportunity to stand in the best spot to do that. But I made sure to get as many people as possible into that best spot. Mm-hmm. So there's on the eBird list. There's a lot of really good photos that people got. My photos are pretty obscured, so whatever. Um, but I did get some audio recordings, which I'm going to use either for the intro or the outro. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> so you'll you'll either have already heard them or you will be hearing them in a few minutes. Um, but great looks at these birds. And it's so such great looks that we ended up actually kind of like getting bored. Yeah. Essentially. Like quote unquote bored of looking at them. I mean, people started kind of chatting amongst themselves. And then um, for, I don't remember why Ryan decided he really wanted to get um some more activity going i think it's because they all kind of left they were hanging around and then they left and we only had like one hanging out with us still Mm -hmm. but he's like i wonder if we can get them kind of riled up again so he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna whistle and then if you guys could all start pishing at me as if you're mobbing me yeah then we'll 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 see if we can stir up some more activity in the in the bushes here so he started whistling um i came one of the owl whistles down there yeah and then everyone started pishing, and it was literally a 10, 15 people that all started in this chorus of pishing, of just like this, all, all sorts of different uh, <laughs> different varieties of however people wanted to pish, and like, the the half of the group that wasn't pishing was just laughing, just rolling, because it was, it was hilarious. He's like, all right, I'm going to do this, and you guys start, and then it, it, I was off on perfect cue, just boom, everyone started pishing, and it's like, oh, 
This sounds like something is very mad here. <laughs> it it didn't attract anything. Nothing yeah. came out because it was probably too much pitching. I, but it, it was still pretty funny to that, have the whole group synchronized like that. So, yeah, we had our fun there. We, you know, kind of sauntered back towards the, the vans, got up. Definitely a hot, hot walk back. Yeah, it was. Um, and that climb up to, back to the vans was <laughs> was hard. Um, but, yeah, it was perfect time to go. Got back in the vans, headed uh, down towards the, the lower valley. Yeah, and fight the traffic back into the into the convention center. Yeah, we had an amazing day at Santa Margarita. Yeah, what did we end up with, like 70 species or something? Um, 85. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a good day. That's that's a lot of species for a single day out birding. Yeah. It's, that was more, I think that's more species than I had on my Star County list anyways. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably well over 100 now for I think, that one county. I think I had gotten that for the 100, the Century Club. Huh. Yeah, so great, great location to go birding at. Um, if if you can get out there, um, there's there's a number of guys down the valley you can contact and and be able to get them to take you out there. Like I said, it's like I think it's forty dollars a head to get out there, but just the view itself. Even if you don't see any any of those like specialty birds for that for that location, the view is just yeah, just spectacular. spectacular. It's it's amazing. Yeah, so by the time we had gotten back to the festival, um, you know, we had a little time to walk around, check out the vendor area before we had to do the parrot tour. Mm -hmm. We were on for the parrot tour that afternoon. Parrot party. And normally when we do that, you know, it's kind of struggle to find parakeets first off, and then we see them, and then struggle to find the parrots. But this time, parakeets, like... Right off the bat, the parakeets were were around the green parakeets. Yeah, just just drive right to the mall, and they're right in the in the alleyway yeah, of the mall. That was like, super easy. Super easy this year. And then the parrots after that is kind of a hustle around a neighborhood on the northern side of Harlingen, mm-hmm. uh, because they like move from neighborhood to neighborhood as they you know like run out of food source and wait for something else to to flower or yeah. which they're a big fan of the acorns on the on the live oaks. Yeah. And so a lot of times they'll be they'll be after those or they'll be after the cactus the um the, the no, Nepalis, the prickly pears. Um, they'll be eating those down and it's just moving as the food source, waiting for it to replenish. And so normally, like right around sunset, they all stage together on like a power line. Mm-hmm. And this year, you know, we were kind of waiting for that. We were going to all the normal areas, not seeing them. And so I started looking at eBird, trying to figure out like where they've been seen recently. And it ended up being a neighborhood that was um, like just within this, I don't know, a mile of where they were last year. And they weren't staging on a power line. They were just kind of like hopping between the, the live oak trees. In the trees, which doesn't provide the best viewing experience. Yeah. Um, so our, our particular night, not not the best viewing experience. Still got to see Red Lord, sure. Red Crowned, Yellow Headed, but not not like out on the power lines where it's super easy to get photos and stuff of them. But I think some people did get photos. Some people did, did get some really good looks. Um, some of the other nights, they were a little bit more confiding with the photos, um, stopping on some power lines nearby. But they were generally in that neighborhood this year. Yeah. So it was a little bit more dense vegetation that they were hanging out in. But still a, a good experience hanging out with these with these parrots, which most of them mo- most of them are not... They're they're kind of countable. I don't I don't know what the ABA hard line is on them. I think red crowned is countable, and the rest are not. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in the valley, red crowned isn't either. I'm I'm not completely familiar. The the provenance of these species. Um, some of them, the, the yellow headed, 
absolutely did not end up here on its own. It's from down in Brazil or something. Red Lord, same thing. It's not something that ended up here on its own. They're released pets that um, are creating a sustainable population with themselves. But the Red Crowns, this that is within their historic range. So it's maybe they've been reintroduced by people releasing pets or whatever, but they're... It's it's just interesting. It's the biggest question we get during the night while, yeah. we're, while we're out there. Uh, so after that, went and got dinner with some friends at a restaurant called La Playa, which I think I probably talked about at oh, yeah. the end of the last episode. Yeah, we talked about La Playa. Yeah, right? so we went twice this time, and <laughs> I got a stuffed avocado, which was like magic and delicious, and I think about until I can go again next year and get another one. <laughs> So there's your food uh, recommendation for this episode. Yes. And the next day we had another beginner birder trip at Asteriana Grande State Park. And so like the first two days of the festival it was like 90 degrees. And then after that it was rainy and in the, like what, six, 70s? Six, 70s, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's still warm, not cold. But uh, very, very heavy rain. So much rain. And Asteriana Grande is one of my favorite parks. I love going there. Mm-hmm. And um, it, we got we got through like the tropical zone section before the rain started. So that was nice. But we... We should have gone <laughs> up to the levee before the rain started. Because we, we kind of had an idea the rain was going to be starting around... 9 30 10 o'clock yeah. something like that i so, didn't want to get caught out in the rain though I was... yeah but we got caught on it anyways um so we we ended up working our way over and got to alligator lake um seeing tons of species tons of things uh pied-billed grebes green wing teal bottled ducks white tip white wing parakis just all, all sorts of all sorts of just the regular good species that you get at estero even though the water level was basically non-existent mm-hmm. again because of the drought that's going on down there um, we get back to where the parakis are at and then it starts drizzling and then we're like, oh, maybe we should, uh, take some cover for a minute. It looks like this is a passing band of rain. And then the sky just opened up and it just dumped and dumped and dumped. Yeah. So after about, I don't know what, like 30 minutes or so, we were like, like okay. 15 or 20 at least. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, see if we can wait until it slows down a little bit and then kind of hightail it towards the visitor center mm-hmm. because they have a, such a beautiful, um, deck to sit out on and enjoy. Yeah. And so then there were some folks that still wanted to go see the Limpkin. So yes. Eric took some of the folks on our trip up to go see the Limpkin. It, it, on it was the a levee. Li- it was a little bit, a little bit hairy. The um, the tr- I, I had warned everyone. I was like, hey, it's because it's raining. Getting onto the levee is very slippery. It's it's dangerous. We may end up having to just ca- crawl. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't, I don't really. I, I kept telling, I kept trying to convince people it's not really worth it. It's, dangerous let's let's just go back and there was a couple of people who really wanted to see the limpkin so i was like you know what okay we can do the, we can do this carefully we can do this in a safe manner we can do it very carefully if we if we do this follow this this specific route through the edge here so i, I took uh, three people up with me and we got pretty good looks at the limpkin good. um saw the rest of the wading birds that we that we would expect to see the little little blue heron snowy egret great egret great blue heron white ibis all these guys just kind of hanging out in the water. I think there were some American white pelicans um, way off in the distance. Um, and then more ducks. Uh, more ducks, spoonbills, stuff like that. Yeah. So it was, it was it was a good good thing to go up there and see them. But it was it was still a little bit hairy because the, the mud gets so slippery. Oh, yeah. So, so safely made it through up, down, back to the back to the headquarters. And we were soaked. Yeah. Head to toe soaked all the way through as wet as you can get. So that's... 
That was, that was our experience on our walk. <laughs> I was a little miserable. Um, <laughs> but good birds, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, the next day, we had another trip to Sable Palm Sanctuary, and that's why we had scouted it on mm-hmm. the first day that we got there. Uh, again, it was just pouring just down rain. dumping rain the whole time, which we, which we had considered, let's just go to UTRGB and not even go to Sable Palm. Yeah. But so many of the people on the trip really wanted to go to Sable Palm. Yeah, which is fine. So I was like, all right, well, let's let's go and warned everyone, hey, we can take this short loop and it'll be really muddy, and or we can do this long loop and you'll be unbelievably miserable muddy. <laughs> um, and there was a bunch of people that really wanted to go on that long loop, so we took some people on the long loop around, and. By the time they got halfway through their loop, I think they all changed their mind and decided they, did, they didn't want to be on that long loop. Like, there's no going back now. It's like, well, we're halfway. we got to keep going. But it's very, very muddy. Still still saw a lot of species. Yeah, we um, still had 35 species. In the, It was raining the entire time. So everyone everyone got muddy. Everyone got uh, got birds. <laughs> but uh, th- then we did go to UTRGV, um, walked on some pavement for a bit, yeah, kind of but uh, washed was, off the mud. It was still so cold and miserable. It was, it was getting cold, yeah. And, you know, our bus driver was the nicest guy. Oh, my gosh. I, mean, I can't he, say enough good words about him. Yeah, he turned on the heat, you know, let us just chill in the bus, didn't worry about the mud. Like, he was super cool. And he was willing to put that bus anywhere. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, you want me to parallel park this in between these two cars, cars and yeah. just put it right in here? Oh, I've only got three inches of clearance. That's fine. That's... That's two and a half inches more than I need to park this bus. Like he he could put that bus wherever, and he was very very happy to do it too. So that was that was great having that having that experience with the bus driver. Yeah, and um, that evening was the brew in the woods at the Valley Nature Center, which mm-hmm. we did go to last year, and this year we intended on going, but that day oh, man, was we were so wet, was and so cold, and miserable, so, so miserable. Um, we didn't end up making it there, but I really hope to next year because it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun last year. I, I heard it was just as much this year. It just, uh, it, cause it wasn't raining during the brew in the woods. Mm-hmm. Like the, the rain bands had passed oh, and good. it was done. Well done for a little while. And so it was like, well, man, we, if we would have known that we could have dried out and then gone, but well, and was... Holly from the Valley Nature Center, she's the one that puts on spring chirp. Mm-hmm. She can throw an amazing she party. She throws a party. Yeah. yeah. So the Brew in the Woods is the biggest fundraiser for them. So that's that's a big, huge fundraiser for Valley Nature Center. Over 600 people attend, and they yeah. have a silent auction and food and drinks, and it is a great time. Yeah. It's it's a blast, and I'm disappointed we missed it. Yeah. But... I'm sorry we missed it. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, so the last day of the festival, um, we had another beginner birder trip, and that was out to South Padre Island, which yeah. is one of our favorite places to go. A great migrant trap location. <laughs> I'm going to say that about every place in the valley. Every place is your favorite place to go. It's it just basically. like every bird is your favorite bird. and yeah. Not every bird. There's Not some birds bird. I, I don't like. You just hate some birds? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> so we started off with going to the nature center, the South Padre Island Nature Center, which mm-hmm. is always a great spot. Um they have a lot of cover too, which was very handy because uh, again it was raining. Um, so we were able to walk from from cover to cover. From gazebo to gazebo. Yeah, but there is tons of great birds there. I mean, black-bellied whistling ducks, American oyster catchers, black-bellied plovers. So many great shorebirds, Red, reddish and egrets. That we look, looked at these reddish egrets from a huge distance, and I'm getting it on the scope, and it's actively hunting, and I'm describing to everybody in the group. This is beginner birders, so I was trying to 
get them familiar with looking at behavior in addition to just plumage. And mm-hmm. so we're watching watching the reddish egret and doing this whole the whole dance that they do because they they actively feed as a heron as opposed to um, great blue herons that kind of stand there and just stab and wait. Um, so they're it was actively feeding, so it's hard to keep it in the scope. And I'm fighting and fighting and fighting and working on it. And then it's like, okay, I think everyone got a good look. We turn around and we walk down the the boardwalk like 15 feet, and then one lands like. <laughs> 20 feet away from us and starts hunting right in front of us. And it's like, okay, you remember how we were looking a mile away at that other bird? This is the same one. This is the same bird and he's right here. See see how how much easier this is to see? (laughs) Of course, that's how birds work. (laughs) So while we were hanging out like under the the main deck, Mm -hmm. um, there was, there's this great little like migrant trap that's right next to the deck. Yeah. And we were standing there looking at warblers and stuff. And then we see a Western Tanger. And so I was like, I think that's a Western Tanger. So oh, I looked nice. on, I looked on eBird to like confirm that other people had been seeing it there, and it's a continuing bird. So I like put it in the WhatsApp chat for all the guides, like continuing, you know, Western Tanger at the the SPI Nature Center. Mm-hmm. And like the second I hit send, then comes in another message from someone else at Santa Margarita saying bare throated tiger heron. Which it's been what is it? It's been a decade. It's been 13 years. 13 years. 13 years since a bare-throated tiger heron was seen. And this is the second bare-throated tiger heron? Or uh, third? That's, you know, somebody said the third, but it's only the second that I'm aware of. Okay, so, so yeah. probably the second U.S. record bare-throated tiger heron spotted at Santa Margarita Ranch. The, first the place one, we were at two days before. The first one was at Benson. Yeah. And that was one of those birds that, you know, people fly in from all the country, mm-hmm. from all over the country to go see. Yeah. And so... And, Santa Margarita is a little bit more difficult to get into, so it's less public than like Benson was. Mm-hmm. So it didn't. I don't think it had quite the same draw of people from flying in from around the around the country. I, yeah, I don't know. I think there still was. I think there still was a draw for that. I but, mean, I considered it, but there wasn't enough. There, I don't think because of the complex the complexity of getting access to the site, it's a little bit less public. So that was. Very disappointing that we sent out a Western Tanager <laughs> just to immediately get covered up by a bare throat tiger. So, Not that people need to chase a Western Tanager, but no, come on. I know. Why, I was like, why'd you have to one up us? My like moment that? to shine. <laughs> why'd you have to one up us? But I mean, like, so that came in, and I, Eric was like telling somebody about like birding and chasing and stuff like that. And I walked over to him with that in my phone and with my mouth like dropped. Yeah. I was, I was explaining why, why the Western Tanager was exciting for here and why, why it's important that, Hey, we, if, if you see something, say something sort of thing. And then Hannah walks up with the bear throat tiger heron picture. <laughs> like my mind was blown from that. And then later no, that. No words. Just walking up, holding the screen right at my face. <laughs> Well, later, because, like, when I worked at Benson, that was all anybody could talk about Yeah, was the bare-throated tiger heron. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> we were just there. Um, but then later that day, someone rec- reported in Corvus Christi this cattle tyrant, which mm-hmm. y'all might have seen. And I think it's been on a lot of the ABA pages and stuff right now. That yeah. it's, it's just kind of go, making its rounds of people posting about it, because everyone's going to see it. But... The whole thing about that bird is so weird. I mean, I think everybody's pretty sure now it's, it was a ship assist. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, because, like, I looked at eBird, like, right after I saw about the cattle tyrant, and the most northern record of them seemed to be in Panama. Mm-hmm. And so this is, like, I don't know, 
how much further <laughs> from Panama. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so a lot of people, you know, have gone up to Corpus to go see it. There were people leaving the festival that afternoon to go chase that bird. Yeah. And one, one of our friends was one of the guides at Santa Margarita that morning. Yeah. He went and saw the bear-throated tiger heron, or he was there when the bear-throated tiger heron flew by, got some good looks, got some photos. And then as soon as his trip was over, he hopped, he went down to the airport, rented a car, and drove to Corpus and saw the cattle tyrant. And so now he's like, how many Texas birders can have it on their list that they've seen bear-throated tiger heron and cattle tyrant in the, in the, same, in the same day in, in Texas? Well, and then... And it's like, that's... It was, it's just too deep. That's, that's For me, that's too deep. And then but. Santa Margarita, I mean, <laughs> not to be outdone by that, like, the next... What was it? The next day is when the mottled owl showed up. Yeah. Oh no! It was it was a little while afterwards. It was after the festival, I think. Yeah, it? it was. But it within like two or three days, the yeah. festival ending. Since, since we've left the valley, which was only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first live U.S. record of, of, a, mottled of a mottled owl. So it is the the Rio Grande Valley is a very special place <laughs> that attracts really good birders that can find things because they they are familiar with seeing weird stuff and it attracts weird birds <laughs> so really fascinating great we had a great trip down there yeah we, we missed all those very exciting birds there's a roadside hawk being seen while we were there yeah which ever saw de la palma which we have we've seen one in the valley we didn't see haven't seen one in that particular county but i'm not not hardcore about counties. I'm only hardcore about my Hildago County. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other the other bird that um, in the last couple of days it's been seen was the Oh um, the gray capped Picard. The great the gray capped Picard, which there was a rose throated Picard, and then this other Picard showed up. So and also at Rosaka de la Palma. I think we should move back to the valley. And there was a blue bunting there. But that blue bunting uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I might I might sell all my stuff and become a van lifer. Van lifer and just live in the valley? Ugh. Well, I don't want to live in the valley. But... Live in the valley in the winter and then and then go um, like Arizona in the summer. Yeah. Just hang, hang out in Tucson or something. Ugh, why do I have to work? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, it was an amazing birding festival. I mean, we didn't get to talk too much about the vendor area or any of the other stuff. I mean, we, we really didn't get a chance to go to any of the presentations. But know, We always try... We always, we, we, we always say we're going to prioritize going and watching presentations <laughs> and then we never end up making it. And it's, it's very unfortunate because I know there's a lot of really good presenters. Yeah. Um, some, some of our friends are present, presented on uh, Greyhawks and birding in Panama, birding in Costa Rica, birding in um, all sorts of different places that are great places to go birding, talking about what you can see when you go there, giving presentations about the different conservation work that's being done in the valley and across the state and just amazing amazing presentations and amazing vendors that are there to to sell you stuff so you can you can get optics and feeders and native plants and all sorts of cool stuff in the vendor area that we spent a lot of time in the vendor area we just didn't talk about it much on the, <laughs> <laughs> there's too much birds too many birds to talk about to to get in the vendor area yeah anyways it was a great festival once again mm -hmm. and i'm so glad that you know we get to go and I uh, look forward to, what, like 345 days until we get to go back. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's we got to go to Spring Chirp. We get to go to so. Spring Chirp, so that, that'll, that'll be good. But the Rio Grande Valley is also, the, the, the fall festival, the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival is just, it's something else. It's, it's, all, it's so big, too. It's lit. It's lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was a great one. Tons of people that were there from all over the place. A lot of uh, 
a lot of folks that have been there before mm -hmm. and a lot of new folks too. So yeah. Definitely so, add it to your list of festivals if you want to go. Yeah. If you're, if you're interested in festivals. Yeah. Well, thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or anywhere else that you listen to us. You can connect with us on the socials at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram, at We Go Birding on Twitter. Our Facebook page is at Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Um, you can also email us, Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com, or check out our website at www.gobirdingpodcast.com and our TikTok, um, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Uh, tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends.